Thank you, choir, for that joyful hymn of praise. Our second scripture reading today comes to us from the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verses 15 to 24. Jesus is speaking to his disciples in this portion of John's Gospel, and it's a set of teachings known as the Farewell Discourses. Jesus is telling his friends some things they need to know because he is about to go to Jerusalem. He's on his way to his death. And we're in the weeks after Easter, so this might seem like a strange selection in some ways, but if you stay with me, I think you'll see why this is meant to be God's word for us right now. Listen. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give to you another advocate to be with you forever. This is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or, nor knows him. You know him because he abides with you, and he will abide in you. I will not leave you orphaned. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will know that I am in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. They who have my commandments and keep them are those who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my Father, and I will love them and reveal myself to them. Judas, not Iscariot, said to them, Lord, how is it that, we will, that you will reveal yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, Those who love me will keep my word, and my Father will love them, and will come to them and make our home with them. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but is, the, it, but is from the Father who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You know, that scripture passage is a mouthful, isn't it? Whoa. Are we getting into this again? Spirit of the microphone, leave us alone. Uh, it's great to see you all and to be back together again this week. Um, to those who are listening online at home or on the sermon podcast later this week, hi again. Uh, we are here starting a new sermon series in the weeks after Easter as we move toward Pentecost, and it's called The Road to Pentecost. And a few weeks ago, um, Pastor Jack Longley was in our worship planning meeting, and uh, he told me that he had an idea, and here it is. Work backwards from Pentecost Sunday. May 28th is going to be Pentecost, the day that we traditionally celebrate, remember, and lift up the way that the Holy Spirit came to the early church. But what we want to do in these weeks ahead is to um, explore all the things that God says in the scriptures and that Jesus says in the gospels that prepare us and lead us to be ready to receive the Holy Spirit in our own lives. So Pastor Jack, wherever you are, I'm giving you credit today. Okay. Jesus tells his disciples that he's going away, and a day is soon coming when he will no longer be with them the way he is right now. He's been their rabbi and their teacher, their friend and their leader during the three years of his ministry with them. But now he's coming to an end of his life on earth, and he's telling them that he, that they, he won't leave them on their own, but that God will send another advocate to be with them. He's promising them the Holy Spirit. So in my Bible study class this last week, somebody asked a good question. They said, um, had they heard of the Holy Spirit before, or was this a new concept to them? The people he was talking with, did they know about the Holy Spirit, or was this a new idea? And I love that question because it's simple and honest. Like, what do you think? Had they heard about this Holy Spirit, or was this a new thing that was about to happen? 
In the biblical account, we can look back in the Bible all the way to Genesis chapter 1. And there we read that when, that this, this is what we read, when God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. And this word in Hebrew for wind is ruach, and it means wind or breath or spirit. It's the same word, just one word. So God was already at work through the Spirit in the beginning. In Psalm 139, the psalmist writes, Where can I go from your Spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? The Spirit is God's presence with us, and it was felt and known to the Old Testament psalmists. There's a great passage in Ezekiel 36 where God says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I gave your ancestors. You will be my people and I will be your God. The people in, Israel, in Ezekiel's time were feeling stuck. They were mucking around in life in, in a way that was cut off from the goodness of life that they were meant for and used to. They needed God's Spirit to come and re refresh, restore, and renew them. You know, right after this passage in Ezekiel that I just, just read is that famous story of the Valley of Dry Bones, where the whole valley is filled with those dried-out old skeletons, and God asks, Mortal, can these bones live? And Ezekiel says, You know alone, God, I don't know. And then, the, and then the Spirit of God, the wind from God, the breath of God comes and pulls those old bones back together. And we all love that kid song. And they are, they are made new. They're restored. So the function of the Spirit of God in the Old Testament is creative. It's God's presence and it's that renewing power that comes to us. I'll give you one more, just one more Old Testament passage from the Hebrew Scriptures. It's 1 Kings chapter 19. Elijah goes out into the wilderness seeking wisdom or guidance from God, and this is what it says. And this is the Old King James Version, so some of you will really like that. Okay. And he said, Go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord, and behold, the Lord passed by, and a great and strong wind rent the mountains and break in pieces the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. And God came to Elijah in a still, small voice. Jesus is telling his disciples that the Spirit of God will be with them. And the word that he uses for, spirit, for, the, for the Spirit that's about to come and, and what the Spirit will be is paraclete, parakletos. And this is a, this is a word in, in the Greek language that means a legal advocate, a counselor, an advisor, a helper, an encourager, a comforter. That's what Jesus is promising his disciples. New Testament scholar Dale, Bren Dale Bruner, in his commentary on the Gospel of John, uses the term true friend. Jesus says, I will send you a true friend. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. So this true friend not only encourages, but also conf conflicts and confronts, helps us sort out the next move to make the right decision. Uh, when is it time to move forward? When do we need to go back? When do we need to stand still? 
we all need a true and trusted friend. Isn't that right? I remember once when I was growing up, maybe around eighth or ninth grade, um, I was at a local park in our neighborhood uh, on a Friday night after dark. And a friend and I were just shooting hoops under the, kind of the street, light, street lights. And as we were playing, a couple of older guys came up and they started talking to us. And um, they said, hey, one of the guys said, came to us and said, hey, I bet I could beat you guys two on one, you two against me. And if you beat me, I'll give you 20 bucks. But if I beat you, I get to keep your basketball. And maybe it's just my natural inclination, but in a situation like that, I'm a real dummy. <laughs> I'm the kind of person who will probably say yes to that sort of challenge under the streetlights on a Friday night at some park. Um, I'm the kind of person who might want to take that sort of risk, believing I could figure it out. But my friend who I was with, he took me aside, he talked to me, he said, let's get out of here. You, you don't want to mess with these guys. That guy who just challenged us is a junior in high school. He's on the varsity basketball team of this other school. He's really good at basketball. And not only that, look at these guys. Even if we beat them, they'll probably take our ball anyway. <laughs> and that was good advice, and that was a true friend. And I listened to that friend. You know, he, he was somebody who helped me see beyond what just I wanted to do, or what I thought I could handle, or what I decided was a great decision. He was a counselor who spoke the truth in love. It's striking to see Jesus describe the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, in these same terms, a counselor who can speak the truth in love. The word paraclete literally means someone who is called alongside, who is called alongside your life situation, meant to walk with you, be with you, go with you, who encourages you, guides you, and speaks to you. Most of the time, the Spirit of God will not force you, will not compel you. God gives us this mixed blessing of, as humans of, um, of free will. So it's through this still, small voice that God speaks. I wonder, though, how do we get that Spirit? You know, how do we access it? How do we um, get to hear God's voice or guidance or counsel for our lives? I think that we probably need to live in closer intimacy with God than most of us are used to. I think we need to live in closer intimacy with God, which is a lifelong process. Do you remember the 2004 tsunami? Do you remember the story of the 2004 tsunami? It hit the coast of Southeast Asia. It was this huge deluge, this huge uh, wave of water that came suddenly from out at sea and came and hit the, uh, the coastline of Indonesia, Sri Lanka, India, the Maldives, and Thailand. It was this powerful wave that swept over and decimated huge swaths of land, communities. It killed about 225,000 people. 225,000 people. It was a major and tragic event. But I read this story recently, recently about this one group of people whose communities, whose community um, was decimated, but the people there, none of them lost their lives. They're called the Mokin people, and they're essentially seafaring nomads. You might have seen this. It was on the CBS News a little while ago, the Mokin. They live about six months a year on their boats out at sea. And the other six months, they move as nomads between different islands with little villages on them. So their children are born at sea. They learn to swim before they learn to walk on dry land. The Mokin dive for shellfish, sea cucumbers, and eels. This is their way of life. They live on the sea. They even lower their heart rates so they're able to hold their breath longer and stay under to go fishing. 
They have an intimate, close relationship with the water. So back in 2004, before the tsunami made landfall on their islands where, where their villages were located, they noticed something was really different with the water. It was acting different. It had a mood to it, and they noticed it immediately. The water started receding and getting kind of sucked out to, o to, to the ocean. And so the Moken people saw this, and they knew something bad was about to happen. So they moved all of their people to high ground. They evacuated their villages. While other local people in that area didn't do that because they didn't know, the Moken did. They all went to high ground. So when the waters came, their villages were destroyed, but the people were safe. The other half of the Moken people weren't in the villages. They were out at sea. They were on their ships, they, their boats. They lived there six months of the year. They also noticed the water was changing, and they went the other direction. They didn't go into the shore. They went out to deeper water. They went out to sea. And because they went so far out, the tsunami wave, when it passed them, just passed like a regular wave, and it kept moving. They were safe because they were out that far. They were safe because they had such a close, intimate relationship with what was going on around them. So what if the, the paraclete, the Holy Spirit that we're talking about, this true and trusted friend that's called alongside you in your life, is kind of like a, an early warning system like that. A still small voice, the voice of your conscience. In the Marvel Universe, you could imagine Spider-Man, you know, the way he has that spidey sense and he knows when danger is just around the corner. But the Holy Spirit is not a superpower that only one hero gets to have or only a select few. It's actually a gift from God that's available to all of us. Like the Moken of Indonesia, we are called to stay in close communication and relationship with God, to live in fellowship with the Holy Spirit so that we stay attuned to what God's Spirit is trying to say to us. So when you have a big decision to make or something you're thinking about or something you're struggling with or trying to figure out or get a handle on in your life, I know that you probably have like an inner dialogue, right? You talk to yourself sometimes. I was walking by Pete's yesterday thinking about this sermon and um, I, saw, I ran to somebody from the church, and he said, oh, are you on the phone? And I said, no, I'm just talking to myself. Don't worry, about Don't worry about it. You know, you may have that inner dialogue where you talk it out to yourself. Maybe you have trusted friends. You know, your spouse or somebody that is in your life that you really can turn to, a good friend. Uh, here in the church, Pastor Erica and I and our church leaders and many, many of us in the community, we, we seek to listen and talk about our lives, share what's going on, and be trusted counselors and friends. Christian community is a great resource. And this, there's this teaching from Jesus that we have today from John's Gospel about this, this gift that we have, the way the Holy Spirit is meant to be our partner in discerning, one who can speak truth to us, God's own Spirit put within us. So we can access that Spirit in prayer. We can access that Spirit when we open our hearts and we seek the Lord. We say, God, there's something going on in my life. I don't know what it is. I don't know the answer, but I want to know, would you help me? Would you guide me? Would you be with me? Lord, save me. The waters have come up to my neck. Lord, help me. I do not know the answer to this question. Lord, be with me. I need your presence right now. So in popular culture, if you think about that, when someone starts talking about the Holy Spirit, you probably think about sort of a noisy and messy manifestation of God. People are whooping and falling on the floor. But the Bible story, in the Bible story, what we're seeing here is that 
God's Spirit also works and speaks through a still, small voice as the inner counselor, as a true guide. So I have a practice for you to try out this week, something to just take home with you and see if it, how, it, how it hits you. Um, when you come into a situation where you don't know the answer, and I'll bet you will this week, you'll have a time where you're like, ooh, I don't know what to do here, I don't know how to feel here, um, where you don't know the exact right thing to do. Or maybe if you get into a place in your life this week where you're a little bit overwhelmed and you have that kind of overwhelm feeling. <sighs> so here's the practice. It's a breath prayer. And it has two parts. You're going to be breathe in and breathe out. Let's practice that. Can you breathe in and breathe out? If anyone couldn't do that, please talk to me afterwards. I think that's it. <laughs> So here it is. You're going to breathe in, and as you breathe out, say, Holy Spirit. Ready? Breathe in, breathe out. Holy Spirit. Then you breathe in and breathe out and say, show me the way. Breathe in, breathe out. Show me the way. We're going to try it together. There's two breaths involved. Let's try it. Breathe in. Holy Spirit. Breathe in. Show me the way. The Mokin live close to the sea. They intimately know their surroundings, and when the water around them is changing, they are tuned in. They're very aware. My prayer for you is that you would stay and live in close intimacy with God this week. Let the Spirit lead you, guide you, and show you the way. I always say that my sermons are preached twice, first to me and then to you. Let's do it together. Amen.